don't laugh at me here. There was a Space Jam PS1 game that I really wanted for about five months. Every day I'd go in the Woolworths and I'd look in the back of the box, right? And it'd be pictures of, like, Bugs Bunny, like, trying to sneak through a house to get, like, puzzle pieces or, like, something else funny happening. And it turned out to just be almost entirely about basketball. <laughs> Which really upset me as a child because I wasn't into basketball. But for some reason, I really wanted the Space Jam game. And I, I'd seen the film, I realised that it was about basketball. I, I wouldn't you imagine wanted it a Space made Jam game actual... that wasn't a basketball game. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. I thought it would just be a fun platform. And I know I don't like fun platforms, but at the time, I liked Looney Tunes. It didn't even occur to me that maybe they would actually make the official Space Jam game a literal fucking basketball game. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. Hello, welcome back to Metal Gear Guff, which is, uh, this will be the second episode, somehow, incredibly. Hi, Anna. Hello. How's it going? Not bad, thank you. Okay, uh, my understanding is that we're both still recovering from the, uh, launch party slash Christmas party that we had in the office? Yes, uh, we actually had to move the recording forward a little bit, just because I could feel my hangover getting progressively worse. Yeah, and, and we, well, we I wanted to get at least one episode out before you just dropped dead. Yep, exactly, if we didn't record soon... Like, it was going to be an absolute disaster. The, it would just be 90 minutes of vomiting sounds. So. Yeah, well, I think I was quite lucky. I think I cut off early. I think just about before Frank Ocean turned up, about 11, I think I kind of like kicked the off set. early. The headliner. <laughs> did, did I miss the entire set? Nightmare. Did you at least see the warm-up? Did you at least see the weekend? Uh, I think that's about when I kicked... Because the thing is, I kind of lost track, and I woke up... I don't think anything happened, but I kind of woke up just between Coge and Maz Mickelson. And, like, like I don't think anything had happened. Because... Yeah, yeah, literally. It was nice of them to swing by, to be honest. Oh, it was nice of them. Yeah, and like it was great to see them, you know, really take in what a quality office premises looks like. Cause it's it was, I mean, better. well, they're paying for it. Well, it's much better than what they've got over there at Kojima Productions. Mm-hmm. They don't even have a Anyway, uh, Metal Gear Guff. Um, the plan was we were going to play through all the Metal Gear Solid games from 1 to 5 every week. We did, what, about another two hours this time? Yeah, something like that. Probably... A lot less than two hours if you're actually good at video games. Yeah, well, neither of us are very good at video games. <laughs> so yeah, about two hours. Because um, the idea being that you've never played Metal Gear Solid, and I've played them a lot, and uh, I just wanted to show you what's going on in them, see if there's anything of interest in there for you. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, that's okay. You're very welcome. Um, summarize, because I just realised that there's people listening who... Um, actually, do you want to talk about how well we did? You're with the analytics and stuff. How was our first... E- episode I received yeah it was be- It was a lot better than either of us were expecting we thought it would be like a couple of our friends from Twitter and like my mum but yeah yeah. but my understanding is that we were like an overnight kind of smash hit I believe was your exact phrasing mm. the Guinness Book of World Records are coming over later to deliver the giant check that they give to people mm. who just smash podcast records which is just as well because I kind of handed in my notice like about three hours after we put the first one up so uh, I'm really crossing my fingers just that this whole thing works out that's why the editing sounded so good because you've gone full time oh yeah full time there I, I, I have no, no other commitments not to mention we've taken on this small army of unpaid interns to manage our social media accounts oh you can't beat unpaid interns really you're so fucking desperate free labor. it's top notch yeah right um so, thank you for listening to the uh, last one, if you did so. Um, also, thank you if you retweeted us or said something very nice. Um, there's people following us, offering to guest on here that the thought of them listening to this kind of makes a little stream of piss run down my leg. But, so, yeah, it's all been very nice. So, thank you, everyone. 
Yeah, yeah, it's been really good. Anyway, um, so yeah, it occurs to me that we actually have people listening who may not have played these games in any capacity, mm-hmm. and we just kind of ran through it last week. Like, um, I don't think we ever kind of formalized what's actually happening on like a very basic level. No. So I think like maybe like a previously on type thing where we just kind of like very briefly explain like what's actually happening plot wise in the bit of the game we're at just now. Okay, sure, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna try and do this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I can do this. Right. So there's this bloke, right? Solid Snake, ex-soldier boy. There's an island, right? Some terrorists have taken it, and they say they've got a nuke. Snake's going in there to see if they've got a nuke, and if they do, stop it. I believe that's where we started last week, right? Mm-hmm. And things haven't been going very well. There's a couple of hostages that Snake was supposed to rescue, and um, both of them t- they didn't make it, if I recall. Yeah, he's been pretty bad on... Basically, his entire job yeah. description. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't really know why they sent sent a guy who, like, every single time he meets someone, he's kind of immediately have a heart attack. Yeah, no, it wasn't. He wasn't really the best fit for the role. Yeah, no. So last week, what well, we uh, we turned uh, Revolver Ocelot, the uh, the cowboy man. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we met. We met in danger, I believe. We did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we met about four or five different possible waifus for Snake. Yes, yeah, my codec is full of girls' numbers. Right, excellent. So, the plan was um, we're going to move further into the facility because we need to uh, destroy a Metal Gear, which... Now, y- you had a problem with a Metal Gear being a walking tank? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... What was your beef with it again? It wasn't necessarily a beef with it being a walking tank, but just... I suppose... I, don't, I wasn't expecting it to be, like, walking about on... T- it was specifically that they describe it as nuclear warhead that walks right, okay. on two so legs. like when you're talking about this like nuclear equipped like tank thing you think that's oh that's like a sensible thing mm. that you can sort of like imagine exactly and then it's like oh it and then, so right. looks like a person for some reason <laughs> yeah and then they say two legs like now lads this sounds a bit like a japanese anime i'm not too sure about this <laughs> exactly yeah um right okay so uh what's the first thing i did oh i uh straight back into it i think we we're fighting a tank yeah yeah that was like pretty much well yeah, so you have to go through the lasers, and you yep. chat to Meryl for a bit. Um, Lovely and Meryl. Snake is really like not that touchy about blowing his cover when it seems like it might help him pull. I found pretty interesting because <laughs> like I mean he has his priorities in order. Yeah, like he's supposed to be undercover, and like there's like cameras and guards everywhere all the time. But he's just on his codec to Meryl, like yes, I'm the famous Solid Snake. Like add me on LinkedIn if you want. <laughs> I mean, you have to realise that at this point, Snake's kind of been living in, like, the middle of Alaska, just surrounded by a bunch of dogs for, like, a very long time. So, like, suddenly being, like, catapulted into the situation where he has just, like, the circle of, like, women that he can just, like, call up and, like, flirt with at any time. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing yeah, how it's like, his. I mean, he's out of practice. Well, I think he keeps repeating to Meryl that the real me is no match for the legend. Which is kind of how I imagine someone who's, like, famous but insecure would, like, flirt on Twitter. <laughs> right. But anyway, so yeah, you have that kind of bit of back and forth with Meryl. Oh, and there's a fantastic line when you're talking to Meryl about what she's up to, mm-hmm. where she um, kindly informs Snake that women have more hiding places than men. Yeah, I mean, and then Snake doesn't. He, he seems to just understand that innately. Like he he doesn't he doesn't need to question that further. He's fully aware of this secret pocket they apparently have. Mm, yeah, that's true. But uh, it was nice to for her to give us a little biology lesson like that. I don't know if <laughs> I that mean, was it, supposed to be titillating at all. I well, no, I think it was just trying to be educational. I think it was just Kojima just trying to let us know that he kind of knows like okay. anatomy. All right. Well, I mean, if anyone does need to explain like the core elements of human sexuality to Koj, 
I can send yeah. him some stuff if he wants. I've got some books and things. If he needs to like understand a little bit better about what's a turn on to human beings normally. Yeah, well, I don't think I don't think anybody can teach him that at this point. I think it's far too late. He's uh he he has his own set of very uh, particular um, criteria for that sort of thing, and I don't think anybody's going to change him to something more regular at this point. Mm, that's fair enough. It's a fool's errand. No. Well, speaking of hiding places, did we speak about how Solid Snake um, took advantage of the fact that he'd been given an injection that mellowed his stomach acid so that he could ingest an entire packet of cigarettes and then regurgitate <laughs> them later on? Yeah, like, I was thinking that actually when Meryl said it, but, like, this is now becoming a motif that Coge is just really interested <laughs> in the idea of people hiding things in bits of themselves. Are we going to get into Kojima being into Vora at any point <laughs> Because <laughs> I feel like we're skirting dangerously close to that territory. We're just circling the drain hole around that issue. Um, yeah. But no, that was an like, interesting recurring image. That, yeah, mm-hmm. Coach is really interested in people ingesting stuff in ways that they shouldn't and things that they shouldn't and then retrieving them. Mm-hmm. I think he's interested in the idea, idea of like human beings as storage. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. But um, it's a good thing that the cigarettes that he swallowed also just like work perfectly after he regurgitates them <laughs> which i find well, amazing I... they burn like a tree which was hang- handy because i uh, needed them to get through the lasers in the tank hanger just before you go and yeah. fight did you or did you not uh, did you not use your thermal goggles no, i um i ran around looking for them and just couldn't find them and i was like <laughs> does it matter if i can't find them or can i just use the cigarettes and um I think I saw a few people online who were like, oh, they're useful for bits later on, but I just yeah. figured I'll cross no, no, that. Well, basically which... straight afterwards, because you're in a minefield. Well, yeah, no. And you can also see them. Um, what did I do for with them? that? Yeah, I just used the mine detector. I did have that. Um, right. So, but, uh, yeah, so you use the cigarettes to get through the uh, lasers, and then, like, immediately after I got outside, I was like, oh, here's the next bit. And like went running and like immediately got blown up. Obviously, I didn't understand that picking up the mine detector was a bit of foreshadowing. But um, yeah, so I got outside the tank hanger. I went. I just pegged it. Got blown up <laughs> immediately. I'm lying in the snow, unconscious, and my codec just starts ringing and ringing. Presumably, it's someone like to warn you about mines. <laughs> yeah. Hey, watch out for those mines. <laughs> But I can't get that message because I'm a dead guy now. I'm playing the game as a dead guy currently. Um, wow. That was taken fact, so no, nothing can kill you at this point. Yeah, that, that's the upside. But yeah, while all that was going yeah. on, all I could really think was like, this has got to be exactly what my mum's picturing when like, she can't get hold of me on the phone. It's just me lying somewhere. <laughs> well, unconscious lying in dead in some minefields. What the fuck do you be doing on a Friday night? Uh, so yeah, for me, the takeaway message from Metal Gear Solid so far is that I should call my mum more because she's probably worried that I've stepped on a line. Yeah, I mean, that's quite that's quite a positive message, though. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, that's quite good. I mean, it's like, even like the idea of like a video game being able to like convey just like some worldly advice is just quite, quite nice. Yeah, it was a touching moment. Um, but yeah, because yeah, like uh, take like take something for example like Croc. I mean, there's no like overriding message or like ethos from Croc. Like if you went through the entirety of that game from start to finish and like ingested everything that it had to say, you wouldn't come out of it with like any kind of like useful knowledge. Mm, yeah, but it's not really like a game that's grounded and concrete enough to have proper life advice hidden within it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, so eventually I got past the mines and we got to the bit where you have to fight a tank. Oh, yeah. uh, were you okay fighting a tank as a small man? <laughs> I mean, I was under the tank a lot. I spent a lot of time where I shouldn't have been, which was underneath the tank. And um, and Raven was still like really impressed with my fighting style afterwards. Like, there's a scene where mm-hmm. he brings up. He's easily impressed, I guess. Yeah, he makes up like. He makes <laughs> You've just been run over by a tank for three straight like, minutes. His battle technique is amazing or something. And it's this like mysterious phone call. But yeah, it's made completely daft and ridiculous by the my knowledge that I have that like Snake had just spent most of his time lying underneath the tank just eating <laughs> rations. <laughs> right, so it wasn't like a particularly um glorious battle then. I don't, unless he just thought that that was my technique, like, that I was just showing stamina and bravery by, like, throwing myself under the tank. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's the fact that that, that you won doing something that should have killed you, I think, I think is, like, what really, really just kind of blew his mind. Yeah, yeah. And it's quite fun, like, the when I got the hang of what I was supposed to be doing, which is, like, lobbing grenades yeah. in the little hole with the little man in it, and it kind of becomes almost like a little basketball mini-game. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be playing um, jog chimes over this now. <laughs> That's a guarantee. <laughs> so you're playing basketball, but you've got like a moving hoop. And also, there's a man in the hoop who you're murdering. I mean, the way the world's going, eh? I mean, that's going to be basketball in a few years. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Speaking of the speaking of the little man, it's one of these like weird shots where it's like the cutscene where like the little man kind of gets blown out, and Snake just kind of takes a second to just kind of look at him. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a kind of like what have I done type thing. I didn't quite. I've never quite known what that shot's supposed to be. Just like you're like, oh no, I didn't know throwing grenades on a man. <laughs> Because it's the first kind of proper fight he's had, so it's like all this time he didn't really know what grenades did. He just kind of thought they knocked people out. I didn't know that's how you killed men by throwing grenades in the little hole that they live in. First, Nick, he's really coming to terms with just like what war means, mm. and it's horrible. Yeah. Also, actually, I do have an issue with Raven, or rather, Raven has an issue with me when he turns right. up in his tank. Um, I'm wondering if Raven's problem with me is primarily an ecological issue, because apparently <laughs> snakes don't belong in Alaska. And also, <laughs> so you think he's a conservationist? <laughs> this is it. These are like his main concerns that he voices before he starts trying to murder you with a tank is that snakes don't belong in Alaska and snakes do belong on the ground. Um, he seems really <laughs> hard and fast about those two particular. And then rules. he spends the entire fight tr- one trying to keep you on the dr- on the ground, and like two just trying to get rid of you. Yeah, he wants you on the ground and out of Alaska. So he's a so wildlife keeper. So I'm wondering if there's just there should really be an option to just have Miller give him a call and like sell it all by explaining that actually there are some snakes which are native to Alaska. <laughs> uh, so you killed Raven. Well, you didn't kill Raven. You killed his little man. Yeah, I think you have to kill two of his little men. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, but yeah, I did that. One thing that I noticed about after this was like the narrative structure of the game is like really weird in that it does this thing where basically everything happens much faster than you think it will like Mm -hmm. you're constantly having moments where you're like okay so this is the thing now like i've got to go and work this out or or this guy's going to be my new nemesis or whatever and like you think that you've discovered what the climax of the game is going to be and you expect it to be like i'm gonna like fanny about doing bits and pieces and then that's going to be the climax but then the game's just like oh what like that bit you feel 
that was what the game was about. No, 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 yeah. it's not actually about that. You've done that now. Like, that bit's over. We're doing something else. And it just does that over and over again. Yeah, because there's no real... Because, like, obviously, like, even before you start the game, like, every kind of member of um, Fox Sound is, like, not detailed, but they're at least, like, given, like, a name and, like, their mm. general vibe. Mm. But, like, it's never, like... Basically, until you fight the tank, there's no, like, foreshadowing that there's going to be a big fucking tank fight. Yeah, uh, but even when he turns up, I guess you think that, like, this is the new, like, main kind of guy. This is the new, like, kind of nemesis in the game. And then, yeah. like, it's like, no, you just kind of stroll past him and go to the facility now. <laughs> That's fine. That's, like, dealt with. And, um, yeah, it just does that all the time. You kind of turn up at the start and you're like, okay, I've got to go rescue these two guys. That's what this game is about. This is the game where you go and rescue two guys and that's going to involve a lot of effort and then yeah. suddenly you just get there and you're like oh no they're just like in this room over there really close and it's like okay now there's this woman and she's really mysterious maybe the point is that I have to discover who she is and then someone just rings you up and is like no I'll explain that for you right now um, yeah yeah and then there's like a ninja guy and you're like okay so this that's is quite good because go the him. thing it's obviously this being the first time it is like a really really short game it's like a six kind of eight hour type mm-hmm. deal like ideally so I guess the idea is that it's, it's, it is like just like a like a really like well Pace like thriller almost, and that there's like always like a turn, like every kind of like half hour, yeah. to be something like turns like the last bit on its head, yeah. Mm. Which I guess is quite good to like keep like a propulsive thing going, where there's like there's always like a new thing happening. Like it's not like, just like four hours of drudgery. It's like right, Snake, you got to get through the facility to do this, and then that's it for like three hours. Just him sneaking through a facility to get to that one thing somebody mentioned. Yeah, which is kind of what I expected going in, but yeah, yeah. yeah uh, one thing that has been annoying me like the whole time, pretty much, is just, right. See, the circle shouldn't circle shouldn't be the action button. It's really annoying because my head in my head circle means back all the time. Circle yeah. does not ever mean enter, and so oh yeah, because you weren't um you weren't into the old uh, JRPGs, were you? No, that's true. Maybe right. that's the issue. Yeah, that's it. No, because it's it's a Japanese scheme in, on the PS on all the PlayStation controllers. Circle is advanced and X is back. See, exactly. So it's exactly the inverse of what I'm hardwired to associate yeah absolutely and, um, yeah so like I have loads of issues where basically I just keep phoning Meryl all the time because <laughs> I'm trying to exit out of my um, codec and then like and he has to come up with like a vague excuse of why he was calling her it's like oh exactly. I, I was wondering okay. <laughs> awful I'm just sat there in excruciating like embarrassment and agony as it dials and I'm just like no 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 no, no. oh hi Meryl hi snake again sorry but oh have you seen <laughs> The, oh, the nukes? Do you know anything about the nukes? Oh, you didn't? Oh, okay, that's okay. I'll call someone else. Sorry. Yeah. Basically, I've been doing that over and over again. Oh, it's Meryl. It's circle being the uh, action button. Embarrassing. Although that quite works, because I quite like the idea of, like, again, Snake being, like, a, well, not an old man, but, like, being out of the loop for a while. And he gets <laughs> back in, and he's given this new toy, of which is, like, all these, like, women, him, him to be, like... With, uh, with it at any point and he's just he's just too old and like fiddly to get the hang of the buttons yeah it's like when you're like grandparents accidentally facetime you and, they don't <laughs> exactly. know what, and they're like how do i get video off <laughs> there's a thing i've always wondered about the codec and they've never made it clear or maybe they did and i never paid attention does that line about how it stimulates the small bones in your ears so only you will be able to hear it right as if that's like a stealthy thing so does that just mean that whenever snake's talking he's actually he's just speaking at like his normal volume but just like Nobody can hear the other side of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I guess it must be because it. I guess that would be put in as like a device to explain why you can use your codec really close to guards and they don't notice. But then, yeah, yeah how is he replying? Like he's surely... just having full conversations hiding behind a box. Yeah. So surely, like the fact that you have to reply and the fact that Snake is constantly like chatting away, he's a really chatty guy. Is gonna like 
just negate all the effort. Yeah, it kind of fucks in, fucks the entire system. Technology, that stealth technology becomes kind of useless. Yeah, because if he's being sensible, most of the time the colonel will be like, okay, Snake, how's it going? And Snake's just like, ah, colonel, the fucking guy. Let's just behind the bush. Shut the fuck up, colonel, for a second. This fucking guy. But he's like, oh, it's okay, colonel. I found your niece. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of like bizarrely flawed but advanced tech in the game, mm-hmm. uh, if you're keeping track, underneath desks is another place that complex radar systems cannot work. Yeah, no, it is. It's literally like anything other than other than it can it can penetrate like one ceiling. Past that, it's just no no dice. Um, bit that I kind of want to talk about is the missile bit. The missile. The missile bit. The remote control missile. Oh, the uh, Nikita. Yeah, that was awful. That did, was like just one of the most frustrating fun? things I've ever had to do in a game. Um, it's the shifting speed. Right. And well, yeah, this is the other thing. Like, I was kind of gonna, I'm kind of bringing it up because of the whole ridiculously flawed technology that ends up being comedic. Um, mm-hmm. Is that the remote control missile? It basically has two speeds while you're playing, um, and those speeds are comically slow and <laughs> comically fast. <laughs> well, I think it's it's never really explained, but it's basically if you leave it in one direction for like three seconds, it's like, oh, are we going quickly then? So then it all goes quickly as it can, and it isn't until you change direction. It's like, oh, sorry, we're not, we're not going in that direction. I'll slow down for a little bit until you make up your mind. Oh, it was an absolute nightmare. Cause like, and especially when I finally got it through, you have to guide this missile through two doors and like a whole office. Man. And with turrets in it. <laughs> and it's got turrets in it, so, they, so it keeps exploding all the time. Um, but yeah, so I finally got through the office and through the two doors, and I was just like <laughs> edging towards the. Um, it's like a power switch that you have to blow up or something, isn't it? It's like yeah, it's like a fuse box. Right? Yeah, a fuse yeah. box, something like that. And I was just edging towards that, but I was panicking so much, <laughs> so I was just like furiously wiggling the analog stick back and forth to make it go really, really slow. Because <laughs> I was so like nervous. It's the fact that like you also only kind of really get two attempts before Snake runs out of breath and like needs to run yeah. back out for well, a break. The other thing is that um. Amazingly, I discovered you're allowed to leave the gas room if you want. You can just walk back out through the door and take a nice, big, deep breath of fresh air. But it yeah. took me so long to twig that you could do that because and I don't know what this says about like my relationship with authority or whatever. But like right. when I'm playing a game and I'm in a room full of poison gas, my brain just sort of goes, "Oh well, I'm in a room full of poison gas now. This Complete is where objective. I am until I'm good enough at the game that the game lets me not be in a room full of poison gas." Right. But yeah, actually, it's mind blowingly. You are just able to just walk back out through the door and yeah. Like, there's not many games that like in- in- introduces like something dangerous and then just give you the option. Just you know what? Fuck it. I'm okay. Yeah. Like exactly. Call of Duty Advance, whatever we're on there. Just I don't think there's probably a bit where you get off a dropship and it's like this huge advance of like all these robots and tanks just charging up a hill. I don't think you can just like turn around and go home. Mm. You should be able to. That'd be fucking brilliant. Imagine that. And then it yeah, just turns into like this like life simulator when like you're going back home with your wife. You say, "Weren't you? Weren't you supposed to be at the big war?" And he's like, "No, I didn't fancy. I didn't fancy it, mate. I just kind of came home." Oh, they 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 let you do that. It's like, well, I mean, nobody stopped me. Mm-hmm. It'd be like the ultimate version of like all those games where there's some sort of secret Easter egg if you think to like walk left at the start rather than just yeah. carrying on across. Um, it's just like no, at the start of Call of Duty, you can just like get back in your car and fuck off home and then it turns into like a nice little farming sim where you just kind of have this little plot of land that you just kind of look you know look after and villagers that you like get to speak to 
be lovely if just for like years and years before it released there was actually a hidden like copy of Stardew Valley just in every <laughs> Call of Duty so no one <laughs> and nobody's found to it discover yet. it <laughs> yeah brilliant oh, but yeah after the kind of gassy missile room with the electric floor that like kills you instantly and all of this good stuff um after that I'm really starting to dread my phone calls from Deep Throat it's like the only person <laughs> who I'm not like excited to see pop up on my codec because every time he calls it's pretty much the same deal it's pretty much just like hey snake how are you good good um so here's the thing basically everything's just gone to shit and you have to deal with it now like he basically calls it hey you've got to guide a missile through a door hey uh guess what there's a bad bit coming up what yeah there's like a bad bit coming up okay (laughs) thanks pretty much that's what i've um taken away from it so far that's the pattern that i've seen emerging yeah, and he's not like Miller in that he has like some nice things to offer. It tends to just be, oh, there's mines here. It's like, what? What should I do about that? Pfft, I don't know. Good luck. Figure that out. Yeah, he just rings you up to like tell you like he's pretty much a fan of your work, but also isn't gonna help you not die in the next couple of minutes. Not really got. He's gonna inform you of peril, but not hold your hand through the peril at all. Um, yeah, well, you know, I guess he he's, he's obviously such a big fan that he knows that Snake is capable enough to get through it. But maybe he just needs a little. A little heads up. And shortly after that, there's like a really creepy bit where you have to walk through a corridor full of dead dudes and strange noises. Yeah, oh, it's it's kind of like the the franchise kind of like first just like hard left turned into like a little bit of horror. Yeah, yeah, it was actually like pretty spooky. There's a spooky little bit with the little guy in the background and all the dead folk. It's not very nice. It's not a very nice little bit. No, no, that's not a nice little farming sim. Maybe a snake could yeah. just walk back out through the door. It becomes. <laughs> he can go back to Alaska with his dogs, and it turns into <laughs> that dog racing simulator. Yeah, it was in there all along, just no one's discovered it yet because nobody had the forethought to think he could walk into the corridor full of dead guys and just go, no, not for me. Yeah, fuck that. I'm, I'm off home. <laughs> That's quite enough of spooky noises and dead guys, thank you. I'm going to go grow some nice cabbages. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a really cool moment. But, I mean, it does kind of revert back to just anime nonsense like it really draws your it purposefully draws your attention towards the fact that oh yeah but don't forget there's a ridiculous anime cyborg ninja in this game um because the guy literally says to you this is just like my japanese animes (laughs) but yeah so that's when you meet uh how for the first time and it's pretty much like the first thing that you find out about him is that well that he thinks that you fighting a ninja is just like his japanese animes um, which is legitimately hilarious. Like it's hilarious oh, yeah. <laughs> that there's been this, as you say, really atmospheric horror moment in the game, and then mm-hmm. suddenly, and you're confronted with the source of that abject horror straight on. And there's just a guy sweating himself in the corner and saying, <laughs> "It's that just thing like of his Japanese animes." Um, Did we say something last week about how Metal Gear Solid kind of just like keeps setting itself up and knocking itself down? <laughs> Yeah, it does seem exactly like it's like intentionally like. oh I might take this bit quite seriously and I was like here's a guy pissing himself <laughs> but yeah it was yeah it was a really hilarious daft comedic moment like really as you say like inappropriately hilarious moment that is almost so out of place that it's 
to the detriment of the rest of the game. But it's not only funny, it's also kind of gross in my opinion. And it's gross for kind of like two reasons. One reason is that that line, this is just like my Japanese anime, mm-hmm. is pretty much Kojima explicitly like grabbing the player by the shoulders and like shouting like, look how marvelously intertextual I am. The wealth of mediums from which I draw my inspiration is massive. Get ready for and so much of that. Absolutely foul. Um, the second reason why it's gross is because this boy watches animes about boys fighting, mm-hmm. which is gross. Anime is all about boys ice skating and kissing. Now we've all yeah, not giant robots and fucking ninjas and shit like that. Jesus Christ! No state of that. Yeah. So it's like the first time with like the running thing is like Kojima hates his audience. So it's like <laughs> the first time that like it, it it feels like a specific like the first time you meet like a guy who's into like anime and video games is this guy who like immediately pisses himself. This guy who's <laughs> what's the line when he's uh asking if Snake is like alone and then he's like yeah I always work alone. He's like are you an attacker too? <laughs> 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 oh god, it's so fucking it's it's legitimately a funny game. I, I that's the thing I keep forgetting whenever I play through it. There's moments where it's like yeah you can interpret it as that it's the game trying to take itself so seriously and then it fails. But I think most of the time it is almost deliberate. Hmm. Well, the thing that I do worry about with um how is uh the fact that he's kind of possibly clearly the kind of person that the game thinks player is like oh I no like absolutely is kind of setting up this like fantasy for you like this is a game where a person where someone like you could be friends with someone like snake mm-hmm. but not snake though so and yeah i don't really take too kindly to that tone thank you very much yeah no you you, you you're gonna have to get used to uh coach uh not thinking very highly of you as a <laughs> as a gamer or as a human being Sick. um yeah so yeah after that we get the big fight well the big fight Oh yeah, we need to talk about the big fight, don't we? Fight that I've had so far in the game. Um, right. And yeah, the the amazing thing that strikes you straight away about this fight, where you're fighting this cyborg ninja mm-hmm. who's just turned up and wants to start a slap fight with you. Um, <laughs> the most incredible thing about it is how this is the point at which Metal Gear Solid just decides to ramp the sexual tension from zero right to one hundred, just all at once. <laughs> Without any warning. No, yeah. Like, like this game doesn't wait until like you're on the codec with like Meryl or something like that, um, mm-hmm. where you're expecting that the sexual tension might suddenly ramp up. It just drops buckets of it in the middle of a boss fight. <laughs> and so that like, the first time you meet the ninja, he's not like he's he, he doesn't really have that going on. He's just a he's a ninja. He shows up, he cuts someone's hands off, and like, mm. he runs off. He's not like, oh, hello, snake. How are you? And then he runs yeah. away. It's just there's no warning whatsoever. Yeah, it really just is a bit of a turn, and like, um, so yeah, suddenly I've gone from being this awkward old man who doesn't know how a codec works and is kind of awkwardly phoning up pretty girls to like, there's this horny ninja and he's asking me to punch him in the head repeatedly, and I'm just there, like, I'm just sat there blushing like a schoolgirl during a boss fight the whole time. I'm just like, I don't, what's I'm so embarrassing about it? It's just, it's just, like, it's just two buddies fighting. <laughs> and yeah, I cannot stop blushing. And I'm just sat there like with my controller, just like, oh, uh, uh, okay, is that good for you? And the ninja's just like, yes, yes, that's that's very good, thank you. <laughs> it's funny that we this can't be deliberate, but maybe it is. Do you remember what how we got onto the uh, original fight between Grey Fox and Solid Snake? Yeah, I was thinking this like because I got um, to this scene 
And I was like, oh, this is where all that kind of interesting stuff that uh, Sean was talking about last week is going to come up. Like this idea about, you were saying about um, fighting as like an expression of... Of pure will, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, but it's like not... Ideology. It's without, yeah, it's without an agenda and things like that. It's fighting just for fighting. interesting philosophical idea that you were bringing up. And I was like, okay, this is going to be that now. And I was like, oh, actually, no, it's just my stupid joke about that where I was saying that they were having sex. And then this ninja turns up and he's like, slap me, Snick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was going to suddenly like expand on some interesting ideas, but actually yeah. it was like, no, we just preferred the sex joke that you guys made in episode one. We decided to go with that instead. Yeah, that was good of them, actually. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Right, so that yeah, was like a very awkward was, fight, then. It was. It was a really unusual dynamic for a boss fight, I've got to say. And... Um, and yeah. credit where credit's due, I was kind of mean about Kojima's knowledge of human sexuality earlier with the comment about women having more hiding places than men. Mm-hmm. But now I'd quite like to believe that he's secretly operating on this just whole other level of understanding that just like transcends the body completely <laughs> and like all the kind of banalities of like what goes where and how it's supposed to feel. Like all the boring bits and bobs. He doesn't by care that. About that. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. really she's not really feeling it. Like maybe that's why, like when he does do all the standard like boobs and butt stuff, it does seem so like banal and predictable. Yeah, it's like he's just very. He's like, is this what people like? That seems to be what people like. like, Here, have some of that. Yeah, he's like, I'm more interested in making this like experiment with a weird, sexually charged boss fight. But then you guys are making me just like put in some stuff that jiggles in lycra, and I can do that, I guess. Fine, but don't expect to be muscles. But yeah, I mean, what that fight reminds me of, in a way, is the characters Bella and Bloom in the Cersei chapter of Ulysses. Oh, of course right. it does. Yeah, all right. It's what we're going to talk about now. Um, I think I think we should have like a jingle for this too. Like whenever it's time for Anna to talk about fucking Ulysses again. Awkwardly and like shamefully crowbarring in Joyce with a guilt yeah. in the sound of my voice as I do it. But basically, all I wanted to say about that was like, so there's this chapter in Ulysses where uh, the two main bloke characters, Bloom and Stephen, go to a brothel. And so you expect, like, there's going to be some saucy stuff now. And you kind of expect that you understand what saucy stuff is. Um, And, you know, it's going to be about what goes where and how everyone felt about it kind of thing. Um, But Mm. actually, it just goes fully, like, mental and it becomes this really like surreal thing where actually like the body and like the idea of two humans touching each other like in a traditionally sexual way is just not important at all what's really important is like the power dynamic between the two people and how they're like and how they lord power over each other and um and it actually ends up being a really, really good, like, essentially like a kink scene, really, but, like, an actually good one, because it's not just yeah. someone who's like, well, we're going to do, like, whips and chains and leather and two people going at it. We're going to do some, like, weird power struggle instead. Um, yeah, that's kind of how the boss fight felt. Like, it felt like they were doing a kink scene. Right. Do you think but... Coach was, like, aware of that on any level? Like, do you think this is all, like, the deliberate design choice? <laughs> or do you think he just he's, he's not even aware of it? But yeah, no, I think it's most notable because decent portrayals of kinky stuff like that stand out because it's usually so, so bad. Like, it's possibly, like, the worst kind of sex that you could try to write about or make a film about because it's going to be so cheesy because it's almost like there's this image of it that we have in pop culture. Like, it's going to end up being, like, Saints Row where you're, like, running around in a gimp mask with a giant 
Robert Willie or something. Like, that's kind of how people tend to portray kink, especially in games. But, uh, but usually the ones that stand out yeah. are the ones that stay away from that. And that, like, chapter in Ulysses is actually notably a good attempt at someone writing about S&M. And, like, it did feel like that in the fight with a Grey Fox. It was like, well, they've done yeah. a good job of, like, doing something vaguely kinky by not overtly writing about or making a game about kink. I think that's basically all I had to say because I pretty much stopped playing shortly after that and then we had a cutscene yeah. with, it actually got me thinking with that Hal again, Hal comes back. This might actually be a running thing because it actually started like make me think that the next boss kind of ties into the same thing because it's a bit more obvious because the next boss is literally a guy, he's, he's, the next guy is basically a psychic gimp <laughs> who can control like Meryl and like, well we need to get into that for the next uh, one obviously. I kind of didn't go into this expecting to like talk about SM for like 20 minutes but I guess partly why I ended up like picking up on that a lot was because I had expectations of how sex was going to be handled in the game. Um, and it was like, going to be uh, the things that everybody talks about with the, uh, yeah. you know, uh, what's her face, silence, breathing through her skin and uh, yeah. words and deeds, wiggling butts. Yeah. Yeah. that's exactly what I associated with it and I think like all that stuff is there like yeah I mean we had the whole thing with Meryl last episode with the slow motion but which I'm sorry I think you're right about again. him just taking the complete piss about like the standard stuff because it does just seem like he is just like oh you, you want some boobs to jiggle there you go lads isn't that exciting but he doesn't seem it, to like be personally invested in it it would be amazing if that was the case I mean it's probably a good chance that it isn't unfortunately but oh yeah it would be great if that was all just like a big joke like that famous tweet he did about how his ex-benedict jiggles like boobies or something <laughs> and everyone was like oh everyone thinks this guy's a genius but he's just on twitter like talking that was about my, that was my favorite tweet in the entire world that was <laughs> i just love the idea of him like because he must have just been sitting there thinking that will get people fucking absolutely frothing about you. Went, look at these eggs. I don't like boobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like because he, he must know because like... he must know his reputation as you know people think he's quite good. I think he must be aware of that, mm. right? But also, I think he has this whole other like opinions about Kojima are really, really like uh, split into like two mm. camps of people who think that he is like this creative genius, like mythical figure. Yeah. Hello. Um, and people who think that he's just a dirty old perv who yeah. like could not Which get is a weird. break in any other medium, but like the games industry is stupid enough that yeah. his work passes. Which is weird to me losses. because I don't think those two things are particularly mutually exclusive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but I it's guess like, I'm pretty sure it's... like you know, smart folk can be horn dogs sometimes. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I don't think. I guess. With people who aren't so much a fan of Kojima or his work, it mm. seems to be that it's not just him being a horn dog that is the problem, but rather just like um, that he's not very good at being a horn dog. Which, as I yeah. say, is why it was interesting that there was this boss fight where I was like, "This is some quite good horn dogging right here." Um, mm-hmm. It's not just like the ninja doesn't show up like wearing leather and stuff. I was like, "Hit me, snake!" It's it's, it's nothing that quite. <laughs> and, you know, and like, it almost obvious. wouldn't have like if they'd have suddenly just started doing it in that office like over a desk or something it almost wouldn't have been as sexual as what actually happened (laughs) right like in a lot of ways it was just like what is happening right now it's like this is literally gayer than two men having sex (laughs) what a fucking quote Uh, I can see it on the box now 
that's yeah it was fantastic so yeah i was like actually <clears throat> dead chuffed that um i got a surprising look at something that kojima designed that clearly had a lot of like sexual overtones to it but yeah not in the way that i was expecting like I thought I kind of had it pegged with Meryl's slow motion wiggling butt. And, mm. then, and of course, also, it is all done undone by the cutscene immediately after where Hal just starts talking about Meryl's ass again. Yeah. For like five minutes. <laughs> it does do that thing again where it's like setting itself up to do some interesting stuff about, you know, the relationship between these two men. Yeah. Um, oh, this is really interesting. And then suddenly just knocks itself right back down again with like how talking about how interesting Meryl's walk is because she wiggles her bum a bit yeah I think that's why I like it the franchise in general because it is like an hour by hour just fucking roller coaster of like <laughs> things that could be like really just genuinely incredibly well designed or like clever or like touching or funny and then just absolutely just fucking nonsense like reprehensible who the fuck let this be in a video game nonsense mm. and like it all sort of not works but it creates something I don't think it kind of exists anywhere else kind of like high camp and then like deadly serious and like such like a constant slider mm. Mm. oh that's all the Metal Gear we played right yeah yeah that brings us to uh, that brings us to our segment where we talk a bit about who would make a game where <laughs> this roller coaster of uh, emotions and expectations is constantly uh, coming at you fast. Oh, but, so uh, you'd, you'd, you'd like to transfer to a segment when we uh, discuss the man himself? The man himself. Yeah. Man himself. Would that be a segment Kojima called... And, uh... <laughs> What's the segment, segment called about... again? I forgot. It's about Hideo Kojima and it's about Hideo Kojima today. And uh, it's a segment where we take a picture from his personal assistant's Twitter feed, um, yep. Ayako, um, in which she, and she does this often, she posts updates about what Koji's been up to, and she captions them, Hideo Kojima today, and that is a snapshot of what Hideo Kojima is up to today. And yep. he found a really good one this week. Now, um, now well, I think we should be honest here and say that this isn't Hideo Kojima today. This is, no. this is a fair few weeks ago now at this point, isn't it? Long ago, Christ. But, um, yeah, well, I did look, there was a Hideo Kojima today, I think, um, but it was really boring, and like I don't know why we would ever spend a segment talking about that picture when we could be talking about this one. This one um, that we're looking at right now. It's brilliant, and not only have we picked up on it, but I think a few people picked up on it. People enjoyed this uh, picture from Ayako. I saw a lot of people were uh, retweeting it and uh, guessing what was going on in the image. Basically, <laughs> yeah, it seemed to have uh, being... got a, a lot more traction than most of the Hideo uh, Kojima videos. Yeah, it has. So I guess what we should say is that this is a picture where Kojima appears be really belting one out on stage like yeah he's on stage there's some amazing like lighting and stuff that i'm sure we'll get to in a bit um gorgeous staging he's got like a microphone and a mic stand and he's got like kind of like a power ballad stance going on and he's just going for it um, yeah and it may be that he's just like rehearsing a speech or something but in this image it's so dynamic you just have to believe he's really like belting out a tune and um yeah, so a lot of people picked up on that. There's been a lot of people retweeting it with what they think he's singing in the picture. Right. I don't know if you have any ideas about what you feel like Coach is singing in this picture. I mean, it could literally be anything. I mean, that's the thing with Coach. He's an enigma. I mean, he could, it could just be just one long note, just stretched over three minutes at this point. <laughs> I mean, the obvious answer is it's Roxanne, right? Oh, uh, yeah, it's definitely Roxanne. Yeah, yeah that's why he was in the Do shop you want to, um... on CD with Ayako. 
Yeah, of course. Oh god, this is a sequel. Yeah. Should we try and do this in this segment? Should we rather than like have like a standalone segment? Should we try and like Just create some bury the, like a narrative thread throughout them all? Yeah, that could be quite good. A whole saga of Hideo Kojima today. Okay, all so right, previously great. on Hideo Kojima today. Cooks <laughs> went to a, a Dundee HMV and he bought the best of Sting so that they could play the uh, Roxanne drinking game when they got back to the office. And, and then they've made it not week, to the office. This week on Hideo Kojima today, Koja's uh, been offered a like guest set warming up the crowd and he was like, oh, what should I do in my guest set? What? Like, I don't really have any original compositions at the moment, so I'm going to have to do some covers. Not yet, anyway. Uh, what, what are some tunes that really get the people going it's, and he looks over to his desk where he's still got the case of uh, the sting best of and it's like amongst some like he has to like clear off some like empty beer cans and stuff sweep them into there's the a Godzilla on there. there and he like holds it up aloft and he thinks Roxanne gonna belt out Roxanne right we need to um, I, I really like the background players in this picture because um, none of them really seem particularly aware of what's happening <laughs> no or they just Really couldn't care less. Yeah, like I think this is, is that guy literally just hoovering in the background. <laughs> <laughs> is that an actual? Fu- I can't. I think I think it that, might there's be. a guy just hoovering in the background. <laughs> oh, well, I've never noticed him yeah, before. He was offered a slot, like warming up for like Beyonce's tour or something. But what they didn't tell him <laughs> was there's like seven or eight like supporting artists, and he's like the first one on. So this is just like eleven o'clock in the morning, and no one's even turned up for the gig yet. They're just trying to like yeah. hoover up. And he's up on stage, giving it his best to the, like, three people in the crowd. Which is, like, Ayako's there, I mean... And Norman Reedus. Yep, Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen, who, who I know well from the thing that he was in. Yeah, he's a... he's a. Everybody loves Mads. Uh, what was your favourite thing that Mads was in? You know, the thing that the boy was in that everybody loves? And that's why yeah, we're all that so thing. excited everybody loves. We're all Yeah, so you must be really excited. You must have been so excited when you watched that trailer and it was like, Oh, wow, it's Mads. It's Mads. <sighs> guy from the thing that I and everyone on Twitter loves everybody on Twitter loves I mean I, don't, I, 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 I couldn't quite comprehend can you imagine if somebody was on Twitter in like 2016 watching that trailer and being like who's that not me that's for sure I could not imagine this not I sure, could never put myself in that position because honestly yeah what uh, what was your what was your favorite episode of Hannibal by the way just like out of interest um it's I mean obviously it's the one with Mads because he's our favorite boy <laughs> He's uh, Twitter's favourite yeah. boy, and mine too. Um, mm-hmm. And I know him, and that's why that's why I really loved him in that episode of Hannibal that he was in. That he was in? Yeah. Right. I think... Do you, did you like the one where he like finally caught Hannibal? I liked... I didn't really care if he caught Hannibal or not, because I didn't need to know who Hannibal was, because I knew who Mads Mikkelsen was. Okay. And that's all that's important to me, is definitely knowing who Mads Mikkelsen is. And making sure that everybody else knows that you know who Mads oh, yeah. Mikkelsen is. No, that's, it's really important because I couldn't imagine both not knowing who Mads Mikkelsen is and also other people knowing that you don't know who, who Mads is. It's Mads, our best boy. It's Mads. Everybody's favourite Mads. Everybody's favourite Mads. So you, you definitely know him then? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so anyway, he's in the audience. Uh, do you want to move on to his uh, outfit here? Okay, yeah, yeah. Because there is a lot going on. Do you um, want to start from I'm the like top this... and work down, or like from the bottom and work up? Either way is good, because basically what we're dealing with here is like three separate outfits. I feel like... <laughs> okay. I feel like... Did you ever play that game when you were a kid, where you like fold up a piece of paper into like four bits, 
three bits or something and like right. somebody draws like the head of a person or a creature and then somebody no. draws the torso and somebody else draws like the legs and then you unfold no, it and we... you go and you laugh and you're like oh that's really like no we kind of had like person. like television and games and stuff we were quite well off like i don't think we ever really had to entertain ourselves with bits of paper okay well in essex that's what we did when we were kids um right we had like bits of dead tree that we used to uh fold up and someone would draw the head someone would draw a bo- like torso and someone would draw legs and this kind of looks like a similar method to how right. hideo kojima got dressed today now like, it sounds this sounds dangerously close to you saying that he's clashing right now I mean, I think he is just about pulling it off, but that's impressive no. considering that what I'm imagining happened, right, was he was in his dressing gown behind, like, a partition wall, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, there are, like, three different slots that you can pull away to reveal a different part of him. <laughs> or maybe, maybe it's a bit like um, the machine from that Channel 4 dating show, um, like, Naked Dating or whatever it's called. It's the show where people <laughs> date naked and they have to the stand in a booth which slowly, like, lifts up to reveal more and more of their body. Possibly he was in one of those, right? And what they did was they brought in, like, three separate stylists who all dressed a different part of him. Like, someone came in and they showed her his torso and she was like, right, yep, I've got you sorted. Someone else came in and they were showing his legs and then someone else did his shoes, someone completely different. Okay. Because it does appear to be... Are these, like, biker trousers or do you think these... Oh, wow, this is interesting. He has, like, a secret pocket on his knee. Yeah, I know. I was trying to talk to you about this earlier. Um, is that one of his knees has a zip and the other one doesn't. Oh, what could that mean, though? Weren't we just talking about Hideo Kojima being really fascinated by the idea of human beings as storage? And now here we are, looking <laughs> at Kojima himself, who's turned his knee into a pocket. Amazing, yeah. I mean, maybe this is what Meryl, maybe this is what Meryl meant. Maybe <laughs> women have trousers no, with I secret think... pockets on their knees. I think Coach wrote that bit of dialogue, like, women have more hiding places than men. And mm-hmm. he, like, wrote it and he was like, oh, fuck, that's true. And ever since then, he's really been, like, stewing on it. And there's been a certain amount of, like, resentment. Mm-hmm. And so he's found a way to give men an extra hiding place, which is just a little zip on your knee. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so the shoes, right? We need <laughs> to discuss these. Because I don't really shoes? know how to describe them. Do you know what they are? They're the Why shoes they? that you put on a little mascot from a PS1 era platforming game. <laughs> are you trying to tell me he's Croc right now? I mean, or possibly he's a beat Croc in hand-to-hand combat in a really like sexually charged boss battle where Croc's really enjoying getting slapped in the face by Hideo Kojima. This, I don't, I don't want this shoes. to be... I don't want this to be the first piece of official Metal Gear Guff fan art that I get sent. <laughs> but for the record, if anybody's listening who just felt their creative juices stirred there, that's not the first bit of art I want to get sent in, okay? Um, I mean, I've already got a Word document open. I'm going to work on the like erotic slash fic right now. Fuck's sake. Um, but yeah, no, so he's just, like, he's kept it as a sort of, I guess, like a trophy, but also like a little love token, a bit of both. Hmm. He's kept crop shoes. Yep, that's an incredible picture. It is incredible. And just briefly on the, like, torso, um, yep. he's basically wearing what I would consider to be, like, the sort of games industry PR uniform on the top. As, half. like, a, a t-shirt with, like, a dress jacket on top of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly yep. that. He's wearing, like, from the waist up anyway, he's dressed like every E3 presenter ever. 
I can't, I can't, I don't know if we can continue doing this if you're gonna dare fucking compare Kojima's fashion sense to that of the rest of the games industry. <laughs> I mean, he's... Please don't drag him down to that level. And as you say, like, the whole Metal I Gear think... series is constantly, like, setting itself up to be, like, great and then kind of, like, knocking itself down a peg. And maybe... So you think he's doing it to him himself? Doing, like, exactly. He realises now that, like, he, as a sort of icon, or has become mm-hmm. this kind of icon, um... Yeah, and actually, what he needs to do is knock himself down a peg. So that's why he's wearing the uh, the games PR uniform of choice, the uh, t-shirt and fancy blazer. And then underneath that, he's just he's turned into like a Mad Max platformer character. <laughs> yes. Uh... God, that could explain everything. Maybe he is just really trying to imbue that into our ethos now. Because does that other great picture of his where he's got like a glass of like prosciutto, I think, and then like some cup noodles. Yeah, it's brilliant. So he's got himself a fancy ass drink and like the most basic ass snack imaginable. It's like when people talk about how uh, one of the kind of signposts of like postmodern like film, TV, literature, or whatever is that like blending of high and low culture. So like yeah, he embodies know, it in everything he does. Writing a sonnet, uh, writing like a sonnet about like a McDonald's Happy Meal or something like that, and he's yeah. just like, well, how can you be just like a postmodern human? And the answer is pot noodles and prosecco so he he made the world's first postmodern video game he is now the world's first postmodern man <laughs> quite possible incredible wow I mean that's a hell of an accolade brilliant alright well I think we've covered most things I guess I can do a couple of names if you want a couple of foul little you will regret your names and deeds oh segment are we indeed. doing another uh, another segment um, uh, transition I've got three names. It's not really a huge segment because there weren't that many characters introduced in this part of the game, to be fair. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so we had this uh, joke running last week, a segment that we called <clears throat> You Will Regret Your Names and Deeds, uh, which the thinking behind it was what would the characters from Metal Gear be called if Charles Dickens wrote Metal Gear instead yeah, of exactly. Coach? It writes so, itself, the segment, really. And I mean, the idea is that I'm just kind of like jotting a few ideas down every time I meet a new character in the game, um, sort of giving them a little Dickens, a little Dickensian name in my head. Um, right. So the first one from this week was Raven. He was right. the first new guy that I encountered. Um, I thought maybe Toby Blackbrawn. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think that. I mean, or maybe Bobby hmm. Blackburn. Bobby, there, there you go. He, he did it. That was what that was what was missing. I knew it was something. I just Bobby couldn't put my what it was. Perfect. There you go. I'm glad we workshop that because it's much better now. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we have Hal. Yep. He's uh, our favourite guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Also known as Doctor Samuel Smallbladder. <laughs> and again, it's that yep. alliteration. That's really the. Uh, that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the important thing. Um, yeah, that's fine. I think it's fine. And then the. Uh, Cyborg Ninja, who is also our our buddy Grey Fox, um, needed to come up with a name for him. And oh, this is where I can't fucking pronounce. Um, all right, Cyborg Ninja, we've gone with Marquis de Mermaid. Right? Uh, Are we gonna like? Is this what we should be calling them from now on? Like whenever we're speaking about there's them? There's no way I can keep track. I can't even keep track of what's <laughs> actually going on in Metal Gear Solid. Not yet. For, our yeah. weird Dickensian right, okay. head cannon. <laughs> Right, fair enough. Leave it for now. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's unless you've got anything else that you want to add or share. No, I think that's it. Because I, I, I was thinking, um, last episode was okay format wise, but I think an hour and a half is. I think that's pushing it a little bit. No, 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, it is, it is obviously like a high quality podcast, but I, I I I don't want to feel like I'm wasting folks' time. I think ninety minutes is when you're in that territory that like you could just be watching a film. Right. Oh, um, for the next episode. Right. Uh, I'm trying to remember here now what we should do exactly. You should go beat up Psycho Mantis probably. I should probably do that. Yeah, and oh, uh, folk at home, if you'd like to kind of keep up with us, I guess we kind of like a set a target that we can all be at. Um, you know, I'm just re- I'm realizing that my memory of Metal Gear Solid kind of gets a little bit fuzzy after Psycho Mantis. I'm trying to think of like, oh, I know exactly where to stop next. Um, helicopter fight. You're gonna fight a helicopter, um, and then you're gonna stop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, oh, fight a helicopter. I mean, I've already fought fight a tank, so I think this should be fine. Yeah, I mean the the final boss is like a full on like submarine, so. It kind of progresses. You start off with like a tank, helicopter, jet, submarine, destroyer, until you've just kind of destroyed like every bit of like military vehicle. Yeah, every yeah. possible armored vehicle just you've done hand-to-hand combat with. Huh. Right. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, that's us for another well week. It's coming up to Christmas. I'm going to be busy. Uh, we'll try and see if we can get another episode out before the end of the year. I'm not going to promise anything. Um, Thanks for listening again. Um, thanks for listening last week. I, I kind of can't believe that we've reached a point where we're doing this, well, regularly now? Yeah, we've actually you're... managed to keep to something resembling a schedule. Yeah, and I take it you're, you're again, you're up for a third episode? Yep, I'll be about. Right, n- n- nothing happens in the game this time to make you go, nope, that's me, Metal Gear Solid, our, our, part, our parting ways at this particular moment. I mean, I got through the spooky corridor and I put up with the bloody missile little level. <sighs> That's a fucking bad bit, that. <laughs> so, that nearly had me, like, running away and changing my name and identity and blocking you on all social media platforms. <laughs> you realise you could just say, Sean, I don't want to play Metal Gear Solid anymore. I don't, I don't think I have you, like, contractually obliged to, like, do anything. I don't think we signed anything. I, my, like, conversations are more awkward than snakes are. <laughs> so I don't know how... It's much easier, honestly, for me to just assume a new identity. Well, right, okay, so if you disappear one day on Twitter and I, I've been blocked and everything's disappeared, I'll just assume that you're no longer interested in continuing the project. <laughs> just assume there was a really bad bit in Metal Solid. <laughs> right, okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, bye. Uh, come back next time, which, uh, again, I, I don't know when it'll be, but there'll be an episode three at some point, and if you enjoy this one, you should listen to that one too, because it'll probably be just as good as this one, or, or better, or worse. We, we can't say now. Um, I've been Sean Casey. Goodbye, Anna. I'm just thinking, should we, do, should we do a bit where you say that you've been Sean Casey and I say that I've been someone completely different every week? That could... I mean, we're looking yeah. for a bit. I mean, that's a bit. Let's try it. Do, do you want to try <laughs> right, that? All right, let me think of something. Um, okay, let me know and then I'll do my bit again. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Uh, yep, yeah, I've been Sean Casey. Um, Anna? I've been Farrah Wang. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>